0: I've called this talk, uh, Oxygen, the Kingdom, the, the Resource for Kingdom Living. Oxygen, love is, sorry, love is the oxygen for kingdom living. And uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be unpacking this, this over the next few weeks because how many of us know that we can't survive without oxygen? It's impossible for you and I to survive without oxygen, but it's really impossible, if love is the oxygen for kingdom living, then it's impossible for us to survive without this thing called love. It's impossible for us to survive without the love of God, us knowing the love of God intimately in us, which is through Revelation, and that love forming in us and coming through us, so not only for ourselves but for other people. And so we're going to take some time because we've been talking a lot about wineskins. We've been on a journey of 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 transformation. And it's now time, as Phil God's saying, to now start articulating and painting pictures of what this wineskin looks like, a kingdom Wineskin skin that he's building and we can talk about it but the next level then is to start appropriate it in our lives to actually start living it out and as we've been here it's nothing new but it's the challenge of the church actually living forth the reality of what's in his word and I've just been thinking about this whole thing of oxygen I remember when um, Danielle and I got married and we went to the Great Barrier uh, Reef on our honeymoon and it was an amazing time it was really hot beautiful weather and there was this opportunity to go out on this uh, sort of yacht and go scuba diving. And I'd never done that before. I was dead keen to give that a go. And there were people that had their licenses so they could go off the reef and it was like 100, 200 meter drops. And uh, those without their license, like myself and Danielle, we just could just go into 15 meters of depth of water. And uh, I remember just being so excited like a kid at Christmas. And uh, they put the tank on you and they put the mask on my staff and used to do a lot of swimming and love being under the water. And it was just like another world. Anyone been scuba diving? It's just like a, a completely like another world of God's creation that you see under there and the color. And just 15 meters, 10 meters down is just this all this other reality that you don't get to experience. And so I'm down there and the fish and you sort of, the fish are quite canny. You reach out and I don't know whether it's because they're used to people, but you reach out and they don't sort of take off but they just stay enough out of your distance, but they're sort of checking you out. You're checking them out, and there's all these colors. And they said you'd have about sort of 40 minutes down there with the amount of oxygen on, on your back. And so I was just so literally down there, swimming around. I got to the bottom. I'm looking under things. And anyway, the time just seemed to go like that. And I just remember this, uh, there was a tap on my, my back, on my shoulder, and um, it was the instructor. And he sort of pointed that I have to come up. And I'm like, no, man, I'm staying down here. This is unbelievable. He's like, and I could see his eyes. He's looking at me, he's like, like this. And I'm like. <laughs> so we're having this underwater discussion without saying anything with our eyes. He's going. And I'm going. And this is going on for about, a, I don't know, about, it felt like about a minute, but it was probably about 10 seconds. And he grabs me, and he grabs my attention with his eyes. He brings around this this reading thing, which is my oxygen level, and he points at it, and the thing's on nothing. <laughs> and he goes, mm. I go, mm. and up we come. And I couldn't stay down there any longer. If, it, if I'd stayed there any longer than that time, what would have happened? I would have started gagging, or would have started, and I would have been in serious trouble. And we can't survive without this thing called love. And what I want to talk about today in articulating this wineskin is the love that we are to have for one another. We've done a lot of talking about, over the last three years, the love of the Father, understanding the love of the Father, the revelation of the Father. Jesus says that you will know them by the way, my disciples, by they actually have love for one another. And it's the love that I have for them as individuals that you'll know them by. So the way that God loves you and I, His abundant grace, mercy, hope, patience, kindness, gentleness, lifting up, the edification, the correction, is the way you and I are to love one another. We apply the principles and the the values that we receive from our Heavenly Father, which transform us, don't they? And then we take those and we are to then love one another with the same way He loves us. That's phenomenal, isn't it? How many of you know that's probably the greatest challenge on this planet, for people. is to love one another with the love that you were shown by the Father. And so over the next few weeks, that's what I want to be unpacking and and looking at because all this points towards a much greater reality than just now, but towards the future. And we've been talking about this, that we are to be a people that have one eye on the now, but one eye anchored to the future. Colossians says, set your minds on the things above where Christ is seated. And so how do you do that? How do you walk in that? Well, you do that together. You do that by having all the gifts in the right order, and you do it by allowing God to build his church the way he wants to build it. But at the anchor, the anchor that holds it all together is love, is that type of love. And we received, and Clay mentioned this a couple of weeks back, a very powerful prophetic word by Cindy Ruakiri who was here about six months into our journey. So we've been on this journey for about three years, and about six months into the journey, she came, and that was completely spirit-led by God, because God spoke to me one day, hadn't seen Cindy for four years, and she said this, if you weren't with us, she said these words. She said, the people you were are not who you are today, and the people that you are today are not who you are becoming. So the people that you were, not the programs that you ran, not the services that you did, not the things you did overseas in Mexico and India, none of those things, but the people that you were are not who you are today. Well, today was three years ago. And the people that we were three years ago are not the people we are becoming today. So who are the people we are becoming right now? Because that word was three years ago and we're changing and shifting internally and externally. We have people here today that weren't with us three years ago. So there's been a physical shift and God has drawn people physically who are different people. And at the same time, I'm experiencing seeing people that are coming to me going, I'm changing. I'm growing. I'm transforming. I've got freedom in me that I never had before. I used to think I understood what freedom was. Now I'm getting more understanding of what it really looks like. I thought I used to know the Father. Now the Father's revealed this to me. I thought I used to know truth. Now I'm getting this revealed to me. And so there's this constant growing. So the people that we were are not who we are. So who are we becoming? What is this wineskin? The Bible says that we are becoming a kingdom we're actually becoming the very thing itself and we will reign with God on the earth being under his lordship and in a future kingdom as well and so this work is not just about doing a whole lot of things this is work is actually about becoming and being and from that perspective we then go and do and so what is this this wineskin and what's it anchored to and so I want you to come with me to Ephesians 3 verses 8 to start with I just want to read this out and then we're going to get into another passage but this this passage under this scripture really underpins a lot of things and it's fascinating the theme of the book of Ephesians and what Paul's trying to communicate I'll just read this to you while you're finding Ephesians 3 this letter was probably not sent merely to the church at Ephesus, but also to the various churches in the province of Asia. Paul wrote to help his reader, readers better understand the dimensions of God's eternal purpose and grace and come to appreciate the high goals God has for the church. So this is this reality again working out that we can't just be about the now and we can't just be about the future we have to be about both it's never either or it's both and more and we must walk in the reality of understanding because this is the truth and so ephesians 3 verses 8 says this to me which is paul the very least of all the saints this grace was given so he was given grace he was given power to come into a reality to lead the church in To preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Don't you love that word? The unfathomable riches. That's huge. I love that word. And to bring to light what the administration of the mystery, which for ages hidden has been hidden in God, who created all things. Now, he's talking about the mystery that Christ was for everyone, not just for the Jews, but this, this coming Messiah, the Holy Spirit, was going to be for the world, for Gentiles and Jews alike. And it was revealed to Paul to take this message to the Gentiles, Okay, this mystery. But then he says this in verse 10, so the reality. So we are a recipient of what Christ was doing, God was doing on the earth. So then we go, so, in verse 10, so that the manifold wisdom of God may now be made known through the church. You and I. Not a building, not a religious system, not a religious institution, but that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Verse 11 this was in accordance with the eternal purpose, which He carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm. How many people have read that scripture? A few. Good. That the manifold wisdom of God is to be made known through you and I, because an eternal, uh, a heavenly realm is waiting for the church to come into reality. So what is the manifold wisdom of God that this heavenly realm was waiting for? Now, it's not so much about this wisdom of God, the superior wisdom of God being shared with the earth and its lack of wisdom. That's a good thing. We are called to do that. But it's more about the church actually manifesting and appropriating the lifestyle of the one we follow. It's about the value system, the nature of Christ being in the church, in our hearts, being His nature and His power coming through us and moving into the earth. So an earth understands Christ and God is glorified, but something in the heavenlies is waiting for us to appropriate this. This is what I believe the people in Hebrews are waiting and cheering us on for. They're not just cheering us on so we can be the greatest soccer player or the greatest accountant or the greatest musician. They're actually cheering the church on saying, Come on, we've run our race well in the allotted time of history that we were in and we've appropriated what we were given and we're cheering for the church today in the history today to come into the fullness of truth and they're cheering us on, waiting for us to arrive at a point. And it is literally the manifestation of Jesus in us that the world would see Christ. Hence, we must love one another. It's big, eh? It's massive. God wants see this wineskin that we are building here is Him. And you go, Yeah, I got that. Understand that. Yep, yep, yep. But it's the appropriation of Him. It's that when people look at you and me, do they see him? Because this is what scripture says. Jesus says, I pray that you, that the, Jesus prays for his disciples. He says, I pray that these men would be one as you and I are one. So a world would know that I was sent for them. There's such a work of the spirit that God is trying to do right now in the hearts of the church not the minds, the hearts, of a letting go, that his love would be formed in us because of our love for one another. How do you think love is formed in our hearts? One of the ways is direct revelation from the Father. One of the other ways is putting people together who are different in personality and giftings, and saying, right, you guys are going to be perfected in unity because you're going to walk together And there's so much tension in there to walk away, but there's so much tension in there, if you can actually do it through my word, through my spirit, because I've given you my power and I've given you my word, do you know what? A world would look and know that I was sent to reconcile them back to God. Do you know what? There is nothing that could stop that love on the earth. And in a portion in time, I read passages about communities that were living in it. Not about living together in a place called Campbell and calling that community because we all live five minutes from each other. That's not community. Community is a heart posture and a heart position of a group of people who live according to truth, who walk in spirit and truth, and love is the thing that holds it all together. That's why he is the cornerstone. God is love. Jesus was the expression of the Father on the earth, wasn't he? He still is through his spirit. Let me read you this. This is what Brenton Williams in his book, Love Book, wrote. Not only is God love, and not only is Jesus the expression of that love, but God has and is creating a people of love as well. They are to show the world and each generation the reality of God's Love That they love each other with a true and pure love will be a proof that God exists and that Jesus is his son. The people whom God has chosen and brought into his family are to be present day proof that God is love. Whew. It ain't just a free ride. And God gave His Son for you and I. He gave it unconditionally. In the hope and in the prayers that we would receive that, receive the understanding of that grace, the incredibleness of that love, allow that truth and that reality to permeate into our hearts that we would from a position of love, then submit to the Father and allow His love to radiate forth for Him, for one another, and for the world. What are we supposed to be known for? Love. Is the church known for love? Is the church known for love to a measure that a world looks at the church and knows that Jesus was sent for them? So we've got a bit of work to do in the Spirit, don't we? Yeah. And every generation has and will continue to. And so what I'm asking here is the person that, for whatever reason, God has put to lead at the moment with a great bunch of people, is that will we appropriate this? Will we take a step forward? I was praying this morning, my hope is that every one of us that calls this place their home would take a step forward towards this reality today. Not three steps, not ten, one. Half a step if that's what you can manage. To let go and to look around, just look around the room right now. Look at the people beside you. Now you may not even have a clue who these people are. The Bible says we are all sons of God. We are the body of Christ. We are family, spirit family. The thing that brings us together, it's not so much self-interest. It's not our color, our culture, where we're from, our accent. It's Jesus. And if you're a family member of Jesus, that means we're brothers and sisters in Christ of the Spirit. People of the Spirit are called to love one another as Christ with the love of Christ that Christ loves us. Do so you think about how amazing Christ's love is for you as an individual and how that has transformed and changed your life? When you offer that love to someone else, do you know what you do? You, give, you, you basically offer them a card of grace for empowerment, especially when they don't understand you and they come at you and you continue to pour love on them. And when they still don't understand you or persecute you and you continue to pour love on them, do you know there is no defense mechanism for that? At some point in time, a person will either run away from you because they can't handle that truth, or sorry, that love. That is a reality. The love is so incredible, and that's biblical. In the Bible said they were in awe of the community. These men and women saw this community manifesting this love of the Father for one another, and people were drawn to it, but in awe of it all in the same time. This is just too much. But the Bible says that the Lord added daily, and so there are people that actually get added because of the love and a world looks and gets transformed because of the love that's at the cornerstone of the church. You see, 1 Corinthians 14:1 says, pursue love and desire gifts. But you know what we do? We pursue gifts and desire love. We're so ministry-minded We have this insatiable need that we have to be doing all these things and yet we miss the core commandment because we have this wrong mindset of what Jesus said when he said, I'll build my church and we think that that means all this so then we want to know, okay, what are we doing? How are we going to do it? I want to get this commission going. He says, hold on a minute. That must be defined by the commandment to love me and love others and allow that whole process of transformation to happen in your heart and then go and fulfill the commission. Because now you're going to go understanding my heart posture and position, not what you think it's about. I don't understand why there is burnout in the Christendom. I don't understand why leaders get burnt out. Can we be honest? They run alone. You know what? And I've admitted this and I'll admit it again. Two and a half years ago, I was running around, spinning plates, trying to motivate, mobilize, do all these things to build his church, thinking that's what it was about. And you know what was happening? <laughs> oh, this weight. and And God, I'm carrying it for you. Gee, I'm laying my life down and it's heavy. And he says, son, it's supposed to be light. But it's heavy, Lord, it's heavy. Yeah, because you're not doing it my way. You're doing it your own. No, I'm not. I've got this thing in me, you put it not running this in. No, no, no. Let me show you a few things. You see, we get burnt out as leaders because we think we've got to carry weights so we're not designed to carry. We think we have to mobilize and motivate the church, and we don't. We have to model, we have to proclaim, this is all of us, and then allow him to work on the hearts of people. See, if you're looking for me and Sandra and Danielle and Kirk and Mal and the leadership team, the elders, to fulfill everything, how many people know we can't? He's not created to. Together, we are all sons. Together, the work of the church will happen when the church takes a step forward and chooses and puts on love not run off to the other side of the world now hear me god calls that awesome i'm into doing the works we're called to do works don't just have you know don't just hear the word do the word but there is a specific process or a heart posture and a work that God wants to do so the works you do are spirit-led and they are life and they energize you. They don't drain you. It's to be enjoying. This thing is to is to have an expression of life and peace and hope, not to kill us and kill our wives or our husbands and our children why because my idea of building the church was to run off to cambodia and start doing all this work and sorry guys this is me doing ministry for god and you guys just whatever fend for yourself my wife firstly me and god me god my wife me god my wife my children me god wife my children my life group me god wife my children my life group and you me, God, my wife, my children, my life group, you, then the world. That is the correct order of ministry. My church is my wife firstly. Here I'm saying we are the church, but my priority is, is to disciple and together go forward together. Then it's my children to bring my children. Then it's my life group, my entity, the environment Jesus walked in. And it goes forth from there. I don't go from me and God to me in Cambodia overnight but I want to, you've put this thing on me, you don't understand man, it's in me, I've got to do this thing, really? How about you let me define what it looks like, oh I don't know if I can do that, this is my gift, really? Really? All those things are disappearing, aren't they? But what remains? Greg, you're desiring, you're pursuing all these things, but are you pursuing love? I give you a new commandment today, Jesus said, and that's to love one another. Not to reach out to the lost, not to seek and save this, not to go to supernatural conferences, not to go to Hillsong and bang, a bang, a bang, a bang. Now that's all cool if you're doing this. Is the church doing this? What does that require? A loss of self, a letting go of my, my, I, I. And God's looking for that. You see, when Mary and Martha came to Jesus about Lazarus, what did he do? He didn't run off. He waited. He waited for the Father's timing. I would have been off. Man, I've got to raise someone from the dead, man. You've got to have some healing gift on me. Woo, we're going to raise Lazarus. you are going to see all this. What did Jesus do? Oh, I'm going to hang here for a minute. There's work that needs to be done that's led by the Father, that's not completed. Then I'm going to go. Why? Because he's being defined by the Father. Not by a need, someone saying, screaming, Oh, my brother's dead! You need to come now! No, I don't. Now, you may need to go now. He may have needed to, hadn't he? But he heard But he wasn't motivated by this other thing, He was submitted to his Lord, his Father. Because Jesus said, you're always going to have poverty. You're always going to have people in trouble. You're always going to have the stuff. He walked past many people and found the one that the Father was speaking to. I'd have been running around, man, wearing myself out and probably seeing no fruit. Come with me to John 13. See, Colossians says you must put on love. I love how we preach that love scripture at weddings. Man, have you read that? What love actually is? And we preach it like it's lolly water at weddings. Oh, it's this, and it's this, and it's this, and it's this, and it's this. Ooh. It's long-suffering. Whoa, I did not sign up for that when I got married. (laughs) Long-suffering? What's that? It endures. Oh, Oh, come on. That was easy just to, you know, just go this way. You're that annoying person at life group. It's just easy to... Push them out the door. Shut the door and lock. Where do you live? I think you better go to where you live. 35 minutes around the corner. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Everyone say that. That you love one another. Even as I have loved you. Verse 35. By this all men. You can put people in there. All men will know. They will know that you are mine. That you are my disciples. If. If. Such a small word with such a big meaning. If you are, sorry, if you have love for one another. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. My first thought today, and I've probably said a number of things, but it's a commandment, a new commandment. See, so often we read the Word of God and we'll take that and just tweak it to what it suits us. Or we don't even read it in the fullness of what it is. It's not a good idea. It's not a thought. It's not a word for the day weekly thing I'm going to give you. It's a commandment. And the person that's giving the commandment is God. We have to stop and go, okay, it's Jesus, and through all things, everything came through Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. He will be with God in the end. I'm going to marry this Jesus. This same God spoke and everything happened. I'm here because of Jesus. And this Jesus, who's the same God, who was the Father on earth, in skin, says this, I give you a new command. Our ears should be pricked up, our bodies should come into an alignment, and it's like, sir, we are ready to receive the commandment from heaven. Not, ah, oh, well, that's an interesting thought, Jesus. Let me pray on that. Let me take that into my holy of holies and think about that. No. 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 See, this is the Lord speaking. And when the Lord speaks, yes, sir. Now, I say that in all love and grace, but there is the Jesus that comes and gives you just a hug and says, you know, it's okay. It's all good. That's the friend aspect. That's the saviour aspect of God. And then there's a time when the Lord of Lords turns up when the transfigured Christ turns up in his glorified, radiant state and says, a new commandment I give you today. And I'm expecting you to live it out. It ain't an idea. It isn't a good thought. It's a living command that I expect to see people living That paints a completely different picture, doesn't it, right now? I am challenged to the core of my being by this. Really? I just slide out of that a little bit. A new commission I give? That's different. Mm -mm. A commandment. I give you. This is what the word commandment means. A statement given with authority that some action must be performed. See, it's no accident that the first commandment in the Ten Commandments and the greatest commandment that Jesus spoke is what? So Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And God told Moses, what was the first commandment and the ten commandments? Yell it out. You shall have no other gods. They're the same thing. Both commandments from heaven. Gee, you're being a bit tough on us, Greek. That's a bit heavy. No, that's just the word. That's what the word says. I didn't come up with it. I'm just reading it out to you. Now, how many people know that when you obey Him, life comes. When you obey Him, freedom comes. See, death doesn't come from obeying Him; life comes. That's the kingdom wineskin. See, the worldly wines is, "I obey you. You're going to restrict me. You want to bind me. You want to shorten me. Make me smaller." I'm all this, and you're trying to cap me. But God says, no, no, I want you to obey me so I can release you. But when I release you, I know you have my heart, not your own heart, and my will be done, not your will be done. And until you obey me, there's some things. I'm going to put some roadblocks in your life so you don't destroy what I'm trying to build. Because you'll do it your way. And then he says this, a new command I give you. Look to the person beside you, around you again. Love the person beside you, like I love you. Lay your life down for those people. I don't even know them. So? Get to know them. But you don't understand, man. I've got all my own issues. He died for those things. They're dealt with. Renew the mind. And you realize that that's finished. That's gone. That's past. Those things don't limit you at all. Get a renewing of the mind, a walk in the Spirit. That's maybe why you need to walk with people to get into an environment where this can happen. Oh, man, but you know what? I've got all these other things that I want to do. Well, there's the challenge, isn't it? Because God's got a whole lot of things that He would like to work through you first and have you do. And I'll tell you one thing, those things will make you come more alive than the things that you're chasing. Those things will just keep you in bondage and bind you up. These things will bring you life freedom. The truth will set you free. Well, the truth is a person, not a book, firstly. And the more you know the person, the more free you are, and the more you continue in the Word, the greater the freedom you will receive. So when we love one another as Christ loves us, you know what happens? We all get set free from stuff the thing that I'm struggling with in my heart, God wants to take that and rip it and He's going to use this person to actually help me on this journey. And maybe that person, let's flip around now, is just going to love on you and encourage you and just tell you to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. We all have stuff. We all have issues that we're struggling with. But you know what? None of that stuff disqualifies us. Because that qualifies you. Isn't that awesome? And we keep digging this stuff up and reminding ourselves about it, tasting it, and then telling ourselves we can't move forward in Him. While He's going, I died for all that, I completed that, that is a done deal. It's, it's as deep in the ocean where you can't even supposed to find it again. Now get ready and prepare yourself for a wedding. And he gives us this love one another as the process to refine us, to build us, and for that love to be formed in us not only for us as individuals, because it's never about me and you as an individual, but so the body radiates and glorifies him because it's all about him. And people in Wellington and Napier and Nelson would see the prophecy of the rock will be a light on the hill," and go, "Look, I can see it. I can see it. Isn't it because they've got a big spotlight that beams where Jesus loves you in the sky. It's not that we have a revolving sign that says Jesus loves you. It's because they see you and I, and they see the love of God in us because of the love we have for one another. A world will run to that. A world is waiting for the manifold wisdom of God to be manifested on the earth, and so is the heavenly realm. To not obey God's commandment is to disobey God. The second thing, we are to love one another as He loves. And I'm just going to read you again. See that, we've, we've said this before and I'm going to say it again just to keep refreshing us, but that word love is the word or the Greek word "agapeho," and this is what it means because it's the same word for love in the great commandment. It says, to totally give yourself over to, to be totally consumed with, what you put first in your life, it's a binding of one's self, to something or someone, that you become one with. It's based on a choice, not on feelings. Love God, love people. That same word. So when he said, A new commandment I give you today is to love one another. That's what he's talking about. You put it like this. To totally give yourself over to one another. To be bound to him and to be bound to one another. Perfected in unity. See, unity, so much in the church you have conformity. True unity is of the Spirit. And for true unity to happen... A people must go through the same process to have true unity. Where everyone steps forward because they want to, because they love the father, they love one another, not because they're told to, not because they have to, because something, the work that God is doing within them because of love is motivating this shift. That's true unity that the Bible speaks of. You know, in. The Bible says that through unity, was it God God will release a blessing? That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about a group of people following a plaque on the wall because that's what you do as a Christian because the guy at the front says you should. No, it's because the community of people come together and understand what God's doing on the earth and allow him, because we all have to put this on, we all have to choose to go forward if one person chooses not to then the person gets left behind if 99 people choose to go forward together then those 99 will walk forward together that's real unity and there's this incredible tension that Peter faces here that we all face so let's come back with me to John 13 I don't know what time I started Um, I keep going okay See, we see here this incredible tension. I'll read out John thirteen thirty six. So Jesus has given this commandment. And then Peter, good old Peter gets up. Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. See, here's this tension right here between fulfilling the commandment and doing ministry. Peter's like, yeah, that commandment, love that. Man, I want to go. I want to I lay my life down for you. I want to I be where you are. I want to do these things. Jesus going, you will do this at one point but it ain't today. A new commandment I've just given you, Peter, and your disciples. Love one another as I love you so our world will know. Don't be so ministry-minded you want to follow me because you know what? You're really going to lay your life down for me? You're really going to do this, are you, Peter? What does Jesus know that Peter doesn't know? That in the moment of pressure, in the moment that the pressure is applied, Peter's not going to have what he needs in him to resist. And you're going to see Peter make a decision out of his own self and the lack in denying the Christ. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you will at some point. And as we know, Peter was crucified because the work had been done in his heart. But at this point, he couldn't do it. You see, we can be big in bravado. We can think we're going to lay out all these things. And yeah, if someone come in and put a gun to my head, I'd say for Jesus, really? Really? Because the guy that was closest to him, one of his tight three, denied him three times. And Jesus is saying, it ain't about running off and doing all this stuff as a first place priority. The first place priority is what I've laid down in Scripture, is to love me and to love others as I love. And then... Because in the moment and time when you go and the pressure's on you, you better have character that's going to resist your calling and your charisma. Otherwise, you're going to deny me and you're going to crumble. And the world waits for a church to live and appropriate the love of God, the love for one another, because it's where the strength lies. It's where the power lies. It's where the faith lies. It's where obedience is. And then when you go, you resist. The church overcomes the gates of Hades. It does not push the church back. But the church must have substance if it's going to overcome anything. Peter missed what Jesus was trying to teach him because his focus was all wrong. This is not what Jesus asked Peter to do, did he? He didn't say, come with me. He said, love one another. Can you see the difference? Can you see what's happening? Jesus says, church, love one another. The church goes, but I've got this gift I want to outwork. Good. Love one another. But I've got this ministry calling. Good. Love one another. No, you don't understand, man. You did this thing in my heart, and, and I've been waiting for this thing for... How long? Six months. Know how long Caleb waited till he got his land? Forty five years. How old was Moses when he started to minister? Eighty. He's Rolf's age, and he's just beginning. You see, we have this insatiable need, and especially us men, that we have to do. Because we find our purpose in doing. And it's of God. But it must be defined by him first. And this is what he's trying to say to Peter right here. You see Peter full of gusto, full of all everything. And I'll die with you. Come on. And Jesus goes, oh Really? Not once, three times. He had the opportunity three times to die. And then when Jesus came back to him afterwards, when his head was between his legs, and this is what I love about Christ, he comes back and he comes back to where Peter's at. Not where Peter should be, but where Peter's at. He told him, you'll be going forward. He's gone back to fishing. And he comes and he says, do you love me? Yes, I love you. No, don't do you love me? Yes, I love you. What do you ask me this for? No, no, do you love me? Man, I'm getting frustrated with you, Jesus. See, Peter loved Jesus with a brotherly love, which Jesus could see and know. And Jesus saying, do you love me agape? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me? There will come a point when you will, when I baptize you with my fire and my power and then you will lay your life down and that man lived a life that puts my life to shame on his obedience and his devotion to be nailed, he was the one that was nailed upside down, wasn't he? On a cross. But it starts at a command to love, to love, to love. One of the reasons God commands us to love one another is so his love can be formed in us. This is part of our bridal preparation. I personally believe that one of the main reasons Peter denied Jesus in the valley of decision was because he didn't have this love in his heart formed and he responded from what was in his heart, his own self-preservation. It's very easy to give God lip service but when pressure is exerted, the heart gets exposed for what is truly in it. My third thought is just manifesting this love for one another points people to Him. When we allow this love to be formed in us, it glorifies Him and it points people, people that don't even know Him, to Him. That's phenomenal. John seventeen twenty three I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. I'll just get the band back up to be great. The Father intentionally and purposefully has created us with different giftings and strengths. So when we love one another as Christ loves us, submit to one another and walk in true unity, not conformity, but true unity is perfected in us. And a world knows that Jesus was sent by the Father to redeem the world to himself. Why does the world know this? Because this love and unity that is being demonstrated in the earth through the church is not of this world or a worldly system. They see the same love manifesting itself like when Jesus walked the earth. And this love is irresistible. I'm just going to read you this clip out of the book again from Brenton Williams. Not only is God love, and not only is Jesus the expression of that love, but God has and is creating a people of love as well. They are to show the world and each generation the reality of God's love. That they love each other with a true and pure love will be a proof that God exists. And that Jesus is His Son. The people whom God has chosen and brought into His family are to be present-day proof that God is love. This kingdom love is the oxygen for life. And I just want to leave us with a question, which I hope if you're in life groups you'll discuss, and if you're not in a life group, I encourage you to seek a life group. The question is this, or two questions is this: Does a lost world look at the church? and know Jesus was sent for them from the Father because of our love for one another. And if it doesn't, are we going to be prepared to allow the Father to change us so they do? And as we go forward over the next few weeks, I'm going to practically describe and give you pictures of what this love looks like so we can see it. Oh, this is what it looks like. This is how it is to operate. But I can tell you right now, we'll have to put it on. We'll have to choose have to choose to not be controlled by our will or our emotions or our thinking, but allow the Father to control us and really be like Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane where he didn't feel like going on the cross. And sometimes it can feel like that. Man, here we are again, the same issue with the same person going around the mountain. You've got to choose to put on love. Man, this person greats me. We'll choose to see the best in them. And at times, endure and persevere and believe and above all, pray. You see, that's the love that Jesus offers you and I and that is constantly on offer. If he didn't do that for me, I wouldn't be here today. If he didn't do it for you, you wouldn't be here today. He constantly does it for you and I. in our shortcomings. That's what grace is. Grace is the platform to launch your life from while you're working your rubbish out. Knowing that he's dealt with it and coming into, isn't it? If, if grace wasn't there, we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to do it. That's why we can do it, because he's grace lays it. So we're empowered to finish well. Holy Spirit the word of God, one another. It's incredible. His love is incredible. And when you love like that someone else, you offer them that same grace. In their shortcoming, you offer them that same grace that you're offered. I'm challenged every time. He says, Greg, what have I treated you like that, son? You wouldn't even be here today. I can't do it in my love. I can only do it in His love. That's why on the revelation of the Christ, you and I will be built. That's why we must be intimate with the Father, so that love is in us, that we can release it for. And one of the key ways it happens, not only through revelation, is the laying down of one's life, choosing His will over mine. So Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right here. I want to thank you, Lord, for the work of the Spirit that you're doing in us. And Lord, this is a big work. This isn't just coming to a building, singing some songs and putting the money in a bucket and going home. This is an authentic work of the Spirit which is going to bring us life. It'll burst forth the rivers of life. Father, we will come alive as we choose this life and this lifestyle. Allowing you to perfect unity in us. Bring us to this place of perfection in the Spirit. Of the Spirit. Not of our religious mindsets, not of our own willpower, but of the Spirit of the living God. That I look for worshipers that would worship in spirit and truth and allow me to do the work, the pruning, the cutting for the growth to burst forth. So, Lord, today we, we want to submit ourselves to your commandments. We want to acknowledge our dependency upon you, Father, every one of us included. And we say build your kingdom within us build that kingdom life that sustenance and that substance of joy and hope and love and grace and mercy and power because we're called to move in power preaching this truth as you set the captives free but father define our heart postures first And in the tension of this being and doing, I pray your spirit works its work. And we walk straight as a community in the accuracy of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.